isn't he? Let's give him a shout of praise this morning. He's risen. God, we love you. We worship you. We honour you in this place today. And God, we just pray that you would be the focus of our heart, our mind. God, rid us of any distraction in this moment that we can hear what you are speaking to us today. God, we pray for transformation. We pray, we pray that you would move powerfully in our lives, in our hearts, that we can know your word, we can hear your voice. God, that you would speak to us, your people. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Well, welcome to church this morning, Resurrection Sunday. Feel free to give someone a high five or a handshake. Feel free to grab a seat. Like Ben said, my name's Dan. My wife's name's Rach. It's also our wedding anniversary today, so it's a bit of a special day. Seven years and our son Gideon and four chickens, if you wanted to know. Anyway, so honoured to be sharing this word with you on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and I am praying that God would move powerfully, that we'd get a glimpse of something more of Him deeper that would take us to that next level in our faith and in our Christian walk with Him. So I want to encourage you to be ready, get a notepad out if you write notes on a notepad, if you're old school, on your phone, pretend you're not on Instagram or Snapchat, this group here, <laughs> watching, I know. But let's engage with God's Word this morning. Is that all right? Louis Zamperini. When he was growing up, he found himself, you know, growing up, getting in trouble, getting in fights, often in trouble with the law, with the police. His older brother one day encouraged him to get involved with the track running at his school. All those years ago, he started running and training and working hard. In 1936, he made it to the Berlin, Berlin Olympics. He ended up going on in the 5,000 metre race to actually break a lap record. It was after this moment of heroism that he was then thrust into the war. He was enlisted as a B-52 bomber and was flying the planes on a mission. One mission, his plane was shot down with over 500 bullets and he survived. They reassigned him to a search and rescue mission in another plane that was a lemon. Reluctantly, they went and his plane experienced mechanical failures. Crash landed in the South Pacific Ocean. All of the crew died except for Louis and two others. They survived then on a raft for 47 days in the ocean, eating whatever they could, drinking whatever they could, until one day a Japanese boat found them and caught them as prisoners of war. They took them to their camp and they experienced horrendous torture. The Japanese knew that Louis was an Olympic hero and so they often tried to target him and to break his spirit because they knew that if they broke his spirit, the other campers' spirits would then also be broken by his influence. You know, many years later and after the war, as Louis survived, he struggled with PTSD and he often resulted to alcohol to, you know, push away the nightmares that he would face. It got so bad and then one night his wife, Cynthia, encouraged him and said, hey, there's this preacher coming to town, would you come with me? And so one night, Louis and his wife went to this tent revival meeting in the middle of Los Angeles. There was a young preacher by the name of Billy Graham. And Louis heard the message there and responded to the altar call to take Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Louis says that from that moment on, the nightmares stopped and ceased. And if you're there and you help me make it through this, I promise to seek you and to serve you. Louis remembered that on that night and he dedicated the rest of his life to following Jesus to seeking him and to serving him. 
Years later, he went back to Japan. He actually sought out his captors and embraced them and forgave them. It's a powerful story of God's grace on Louis's life, even before he had an encounter or relationship with him. It makes me question sometimes how someone can experience so much pain and hardship and yet still endure and see their life through. And then the transformation of that relationship with Jesus Christ, to be able to go back and face someone who oppressed you once, to forgive them, to embrace them, and to love them the way that Christ did. You know, this morning we've called this Easter Sunday Grace Upon Grace. Louis' life was an example of that grace of God on his life and through his life, the empowerment of what God did in his heart and mind and transformation that came through it. You know, this morning they say divine grace has been defined as the divine influence which operates in humans to regenerate and sanctify, to inspire virtuous impulses and to impart strength to endure trial and resist temptation and as an individual virtue or excellence of divine origin. You know, this morning, that is the world's definition maybe of grace, but we know the real definition of grace and it comes in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. He is all those things to us through the Holy Spirit, which he gave each and every single one of us who calls on his name. John 3.16 says, For this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You know, in our present time and in our modern life and society, we can maybe grasp the concept of grace of God, the grace of God. But we know that God is in heaven and seated at God's right hand. And there's an eternal aspect of God sitting there giving grace to us. But there's a bit of a disconnect, I find, because He's in eternity and He's in glory and we're here on earth. We're living our life, doing what we do, whatever it looks like, however it is. And we might have some comprehension or understanding that God's up there and He's for me. And He's made a way for me to walk through trials and tribulations. Or He's made a way in my life to live and to know Him but it doesn't always fully engage with my life. It doesn't always get me personally. When I wake up in the morning, sometimes it's not like, oh my goodness, that's right. There can be sometimes that disconnect. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He did all this on Easter all those years ago through his death and resurrection. It's how I can know him. But there's this disconnect and sometimes we understand that God is in heaven but we're in the present. And so on the day today, on the ground of our lives, we know that maybe God is there and working but it doesn't always feel like we're engaged or empowered with that. We don't always see it or perceive it the way that God would. 
what I want to challenge us and encourage us this morning is to start getting a glimpse of God's grace and how it can impact us in every moment of every day of our lives, of how we can know God's grace, His grace on us, His grace for us, His grace through us, to be able to live lives worshipping and glorifying Him in every moment, no matter what we face. And so we have this, and I feel like sometimes in the present moment, modern society, we live like the Scripture. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. They have eyes to see, but they don't see. We have God's Word written to us. We know that God speaks to us, but sometimes we don't always see it the way God sees it. We don't always hear it the way God speaks it. The challenge is going over from that place of disconnect to that place of empowerment through His Holy Spirit, knowing His grace for us, knowing His grace in us, and knowing His grace through us. So on Resurrection Sunday this morning, I want to take us through a moment of looking back to that place where Jesus made it all possible. Now, I know Jesus died on the cross on Friday, and it seems dark and over, but look, let's be honest, if you've read your Bible, you probably know the story, so it's okay. There's no great build-up. We know what happens. Jesus was victorious over death. We know the story. We've read it. We can read it. We have access to it, if you haven't. But this place that Jesus rested in for three days, the grave, sometimes humanity's darkest place, it's where dead things go, it's where things are buried, it's where things are finished, in the grave. And Jesus was in that grave for three days, but he didn't remain there for eternity. See, the grave that Jesus was in was borrowed, not bought. It was only temporary. It wasn't to be final. But in that place that we see as final became a place where things were finished. Death, sin, shame, brokenness, guilt, hurt, pain was finished by what Jesus did on the cross for us and through his resurrection. That disconnect, that place, that cradle of death became a birthplace of new life that we can know that we can experience this morning and in every moment of our lives, if only we engage with who Jesus is, his word, and the grace that he has for you and on your life. And so we read in Matthew 28 in the NLT that early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary and Mary, like the band, went to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And as he said, he would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee where you will see him there. Remember what I told you. See, it was in that grave where Jesus no longer was that he met humanity with the fulfillment of his mission to seek and save the lost, to bring new and eternal life, a Zoe life, to take sin and separation and brokenness from a God in heaven and bury it in that grave and redeem us back into a relationship with him where we can know God in heaven personally by what Jesus Christ did. 
that new covenant relationship with our Father in heaven was restored. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of anything we could do. Therefore, we can't lose it because of anything we do or have done. We have complete access to it. It was because of the desire of a God in heaven to be in relationship with his creation, his people that he so loved, you. See, the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could break out, because he was already gone. It was so we in our brokenness could come to him, to know him, to see where he lay, to see what he did, to see his resurrection power and life, and to be in relationship with him and our Father in heaven. Rich Wilkinson Jr. says this, Sometimes God allows us to hit rock bottom, so we realize he is the rock at the bottom. I love this thought that as this rock where Jesus was meant to be buried was meant to be a place of death and shame or the finish end of a possible new world order, whatever, according to the Romans, according to Gentiles, this rock, this grave where Jesus was buried became the birthplace of new life of restoration, of redemption, of salvation for us, for whoever should call on the name of the Lord. It's the reason that we can stand in the throne room of God and come before Him and be in relationship with Him. It's because of the grave that we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven. It's because of the grave that we can stand firm on the word and promises of God for our life, And to be able to walk knowing him, knowing that he's called us, knowing that he's saved us, knowing that he has a plan for you. And so because of this moment in the grave where there was grace birthed in the grave of Jesus Christ, we can have grace in our present, in our everyday. So I love if you continue reading on Matthew 28, we realize that Jesus then revealed himself to the women on the way back. As they were running back to find the disciples, to tell them Jesus is there and he stops them. And they don't always recognize it at first because they've just experienced this moment in the grave, seeing an angel, they're freaking out. They're like, oh my goodness, there was meant to be a stone here. There wasn't a stone here. Oh my goodness, there was meant to be guards here. There's no guards here. Oh my goodness, there was meant to be a body here wrapped in linen that we were going to prepare for burial. And there was no body there. (laughs) This angel came and said, don't be afraid. He's no longer here. And you're like, he should be, but he said he wasn't going to (laughs) be. This is weird. I'm confused, but I'm also hopeful that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is who he said he was, and he was going to do what he said he would do. And they come across this gardener at the time that they think is just a simple gardener, you know, tending to the plants, whatever. And they encounter Jesus, and he just tells them, he's like, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. I've risen. And I love this thought that as you continue reading in Matthew, He actually says to them, go back, tell my brothers that I'm here and I'll meet with them. And see, in this moment, as resurrection and redemption has happened from the grave, he takes the language of the disciples who were his students at the time because he was their rabbi, he was their teacher, and he took them from being just disciples separated by a social hierarchy to them being brothers adopted into Christ's family. And the good news for us today is that you and me, we don't have to just be disciples, but we can be sons and daughters of the King. Ephesians 2.19 tells us that the 
that now Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You, along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. And can I tell you this morning, if we are members of God's family, that means we carry the inheritance of our family of origin. We carry the authority, presence and power of a risen Saviour in and through our lives. We carry the grace of God that was birthed through the grave in our life. We don't have to fear or be afraid because we carry the authority of heaven in every space, in every atmosphere that we walk into. God has made a way and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with you, to be a standby, a comforter, a counsellor, an advocate for you in and through every moment of your life. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. You carry God's grace wherever you go. Whatever you're doing, he is present with you. You have access to carry all the authority of heaven as a son and daughter of the King. There is no longer a disconnect. He is no longer just a teacher or a good mentor. He is our Father in heaven and you are his loved son or daughter. But now Jesus has risen. He's met the disciples. He's, you know, talked to them. He's shown the scars in his hand and in his side. He's revealed himself and then he's ascended into glory. And so we don't just have grace in our present, but we have grace from glory. Grace with the eternal risen King. Know that Jesus is there interceding for us, sitting at God's right hand. When he looks at you and your life, God no longer sees our sin, our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, our shame. He sees the perfect son, Jesus, in place of us. And so we know that in any situation from before we were born till after we die, God's grace isn't based on your works and what you could conjure up in your life. It's based on the finished work of the cross and the resurrection from the grave. King Jesus has given us grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. John 1, 16 to 17 says this, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Donald Gurthy wrote on this and he said, the NIV has aptly brought out the meaning of the cryptic phrase, grace upon grace, rendering one blessing after another. The fullness does not come to us all at once, but in a progression of gracious experiences, one after the other, after the other. So we don't just experience his grace in the darkest moments of our life, in maybe a situation where we're facing a grave, a dead end or things that look finished. We experience his grace in each and every single moment, knowing that he's there fighting for us, knowing that he's wanting to reveal himself to us, knowing that he's wanting to speak to you about your situation, about your life, about your thoughts, your dreams, your desires, but also your brokenness, your pain, your hurt. Whatever you're facing, he has grace for you, grace to come, to cover you, to work in you and through you in every moment, every situation. 
And so I would encourage you in this moment to keep going, to keep believing. Maybe you felt like your life's at a finish point or at an end moment, but God has grace for you. If you call upon his name, keep pressing on and keep pressing on. Oftentimes, relationship with Jesus isn't linear. Oftentimes, I like to think of it like a spiral circle. We keep going down deeper and deeper into who he is. He reveals the truths to us on a deeper level and a deeper level until we reach that completion that Christ sets before us. He is building his church. He's building you, a believer, a son, a daughter. As you keep growing in his word, his truth and favor, he keeps revealing himself, keeps revealing more grace and grace upon your life. You know, maybe this morning you've connected with something. You've heard this story of Louis Zamperini and you're wondering, wow, God's grace sounds good on his life. It can be the same for you. There isn't a disconnect. Jesus came that all could come to know him, that all can be in a relationship with him. Yes, we've all sinned and been separated from God, but Jesus Christ came that all can have life and life more abundantly in him. And so I wonder, even though we might have different stories, different situations, different seasons, different backgrounds, God's grace covers it all and is for all. And so I just wanted to take a moment and invite us into a response time where we can actually reveal maybe some of the things that are going on in our life to God and know that He is there with us and for us and making a way on behalf of you. And so I wonder as the team start to sing and play this next song and worship, if that's you and you're like, man, I need God's grace. Man, if Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead just so I could know Him, and maybe I'm facing a situation where it seems like the end, but God's telling me He's got more. I just want to invite you down to the front. Our pastoral team are there to pray for you, to stand with you. There's nothing special about it other than just the encounter that you might have with God in your heart, in your life. And so as the team start to sing, why don't you stand with us? Why don't you worship? I just want to invite you to this moment of experiencing and knowing His grace, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. So come on, why don't you stand?